Good morning. Leviticus is a challenging book, isn't it? It's uh, got some, uh, it's very different in culture, um, but God remains the same. So we need to understand what it's teaching and Hebrews uh, helps us to apply that. Uh, but we see today that uh, God is really serious about his relationship with people. And uh, to approach God in a bit of a careless, um, too easygoing uh, way and, and not do what he tells you to do uh, can have serious consequences. Uh, because we're important to God. He made each and every one of us. He created us from, uh, from birth and uh, he wants uh, people he's created to come to be with him in heaven. That's why he sent Jesus. And all people are important to God. And we see here that the role of uh, the system of offering sacrifices and uh, having mediators of priests and, and God puts in this system so that uh, people can have a right relationship with him. A relationship that needs to continually to be helped because people are sinful, people fail to fully obey God, uh, they drift away, they ignore him, they stumble and, and make mistakes. And so God puts this system in place where it can keep getting patched up, keeping renewed, but also particularly keep the focus back onto God. Uh, not on life out there and forgetting about God, but continually coming back to focus on God. We see in the beginning of uh, chapter 10, and I'm reading, it's curious, you can tell me later, I'm reading from the uh, earlier NIV 984, you've got the latest one, it's a, some slight changes, you can tell me later on what they're like, uh, whether it's helpful, yours or mine. Um, but it's only very slight. Aaron and his sons, um, Aaron's sons uh, the, took the censers in verse chapter 10, verse 1, put fire in them and added incense and offered unauthorised fire before the Lord contrary to his commands. They did something that was contrary to what God commanded. God told them to offer sacrifices, offer incense, but he told them how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, and they did the wrong thing. Can I have the slide, please? Uh, the tabernacle's got uh, this tent area, and then it's got the yard outside on the right, and in the yard, uh, you'll see there's, a, there's an altar there, and uh, that altar is where they offer burnt sacrifices and so forth, and the altar that's actually inside the tent area, in the holy place, uh, that altar is only used once a year for burnt offerings on the Day of Atonement, where there's a whole week of um, special sacrifices before the high priest comes in and offers a burnt offering there. But every day, the high priest would come in and light the lamps that are inside that holy place. And when he'd offer, oh, light the lamps, he'd also burn some incense on that internal altar. But what Aaron's sons did, they went inside and burned a burnt offering on the inside one. And this slight deviation... But big trouble. So much so that it says in verse 2, um, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. Now that seems, wow, that seems harsh, doesn't it? That seems really tragic. Um, it's a huge thing to happen. God is very particular about people doing it his way, listening to him. Not sort of saying, uh, do it this way and then we'll negotiate what we do over here. No, God says, you'll do what I say. Uh, pay attention to me. I'm important. I've saved you out of Egypt. I brought you into the wilderness. I'm providing you food day and night. You've seen my power over the Egyptians and pain the Red Sea. You've seen me provide the manna in the morning, the birds at night. You've seen me produce water from rocks in the ground in the desert. You've seen my power on Mount Sinai and, and uh, like uh, lightning and thunder and meeting with Moses. You've seen all this. 
You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm powerful. I'm sovereign. You've got to pay attention to me. You've got to give me the respect and the awe and the reverence that I deserve. We've got to be responsible before God because sometimes people just don't want to be responsible. They want to just do what it pleases them. And if they go and get caught in trouble, they say, oh, we didn't really do that. I mean, um, nowadays you have uh, things like roadside breath tests. You know, you've got to, if you go and take a drive, you've got to make sure that you don't have alcohol or drugs in your system because there's no good saying, I don't have it, if they give you a blow and you've got it. You're stuck. So you've got to be responsible. Responsible drivers, responsible not to drive if you've been taking drugs that are illegal or affect you, or to only consume a certain amount of alcohol if you drive. We've got to take responsibility. Uh, people uh, often want to say, oh, look, I didn't do this, but now there's, there's so many CTV cameras around and stuff. Often there's film of people doing it. I know the police have told me now they're wearing the cameras uh, where before they'd arrest someone, they go to court and say, I didn't do that. Now they show the film, the people say, oh, yeah. It's all on film. They've got to take responsibility. It's there in nice colour for people to see. Responsibility. None of us sometimes like that. Sometimes we like to have a bit of freedom and a bit of scope. But with God, we're responsible. God knows us, each and every one of us. We're so important to him that he sent Jesus to die for us. He loves us. We're important to him. And he calls us to be responsible to him, to listen to him, not to deny him, because the penalty is the same. These guys suffered death. If people deny God in their life, the penalty is still the same, death. It's eternal death. At the end of life, if you've denied God and keep denying God, then you're dead forever. There's no life beyond the grave if you don't give God his right place. That fire coming down from the presence of God, which seems so harsh and tragic, I recall in uh, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira were struck down by God. Uh, what they were doing, it, the church was growing rapidly, uh, thousands of people responding to the Lord, uh, people were selling property, uh, not selling everything, but selling some properties and bringing money to the disciples to pay for things. And Ananias and Sapphira bought, sold some property, bought it and uh, told the disciples, this is all the money from the sale. They could have said, this is half the money, this is part of the money, quite okay, but they tried. They pretended it was all the money and they lied. And they didn't just lie to the, the people who were the leaders of the church, they were lying to God and they were struck down straight away and died, which was really, the community sort of said, whoa, what's going on here? This is serious. It's the same here with Aaron's sons. When they're suddenly struck down, oh, what's going on here? This is serious. Because at both times, there's a new community. There's a new uh, way of responding to God coming into play. And uh, it's a whole newer era and they need to recognise God does exist and they exist for God, not for him for them. So they, they don't just have God to, to go to when they want to and as they need him and, and, and live a life that do over here what I want to, but when I need God, I'll go over here and I'll do what I want and go over here. no. They exist for God and to recognise him in everything they do and be, be serious about it. And so for both that community back in, the, in Leviticus and the community in Acts, suddenly, wow, we've got to be careful here. God's serious about this and how we respond to him. So he says in chapter 10, verse 3 of Leviticus, Among those who approach me, I will show myself holy. 
in the sight of all people, I will be honoured. Those who approach God. He doesn't want some sort of you know, whimsical approach about being honoured sometimes and not, not others. He doesn't want lip service. He doesn't want us to be two-faced. God is deadly serious about being honoured. And it raises the question for me and for all of us, how are we going and honouring God? I'm not saying we're going to be struck down, but we need to be careful and serious about honouring God. It's not something we should do on Sunday or when we're in Bible studies or when we're with other Christians. It needs to be something we do at all times, even when no one's around. Because God is watching all the time. He's got his own camera on us. He sees everything we do. And he, and he wants, to be, wants to see us as people who respond to him, who value our relationship with him above everything else. We treasure it, we give it our energy and give it importance in our life. Aaron's grieving what's happened um, and Aaron's normal response would be to uh, cut his hair and rip his clothes because that's a sign of grieving. And in chapter, uh, six, uh, chapter 10 verse 6, Moses tells Aaron not to do that uh, because he's not to follow the custom, he's not allowed to mourn. Um, because Moses is challenging Aaron to recognise God did what was good and right. Good and right. Because that's what holy means. God doing what's good and right. And what's good is, good is that people see you must be serious about God. People see that you can't ignore God and just do as you please and it doesn't have consequences. If the priests started setting this example, all the people would start to follow them. And all the people would then get in serious trouble with God. The whole nation would be in trouble with God. And so God pulls it up really quickly with these two people. And it's a good and right response. And Aaron, Aaron, as the leader who he is and responsible for the nation, as the mediator, as the priest, is called to see that. Aaron's also told in chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, and not to drink any fermented drink whenever he enters his tent of meeting, whenever he enters his place where he's going to offer the sacrifices. That's curious, isn't it? Can we have the next slide? Because when we have communion, I remember that Jesus took wine in the Lord's Supper, didn't he? He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Uh, Jesus' uh, blood was important in the sacrifice they put on the altar, animals, but... Aaron's told not to have any wine in this sacrificial time. But when we go to the New Testament, it changes. And Jesus said, have the wine as you remember my sacrifice. And we're going to look at that in a minute, how Jesus um, changes the whole system. And we'll come to that in a moment. In chapter 10, verse 10. It says, you are to distinguish between holy and common, between unclean and clean. You must teach the Israelites all the decrees the Lord has given them through Moses to live as God's chosen people, a people belonging to God. Live as God's chosen people. They've got to, they've got to know how to do that. They've got to be taught. And not taught in a way that you know, just orders them, tells them, demands blind obedience, but to teach them. So they can have knowledge and understand it and live it out, applying it to their life. 
And we'll see with Jesus comes how that even goes further. Aaron's sons in chapter 10, verse 16. Are, Moses inquired about a goat offering, goat, about the goat of a sin offering, and found it had been burned up, and he was angry with them. Why was he angry? They'd offered the burnt offering. Why was he angry? Because they're told in chapter 9, verse 3, when, they, when the priests do this burnt offering, they're to burn some of it and they're to eat some of it. And they're to eat it celebrating God's forgiveness, celebrating their relationship with God. That's why the priests are to eat it. But how can you celebrate? How can you eat something when you're mourning the loss of your brothers, which they were? And so they were grieving and, and they couldn't. So look what, look what Aaron says when Moses confronts him about this. Today they, verse 19, Today they sacrifice their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord, but such things as this have happened to me, would the Lord have been pleased if I had eaten the sin offering today? He's saying if I ate the offering because I had to eat it, the law said I had to do it and I did it. But in my heart, I was grieving. I wasn't rejoicing. I was, I was, you know, I wasn't doing it in a right manner. Would the Lord be happy? And we are human beings. We, we just can't sort of cut off, I've just lost my sons over here and suddenly be all happy and celebrate over there. We just can't make that jump. And Moses, in verse 20, heard this. He was satisfied. There was grace given. Yes, they'd done the wrong thing and, and the way things are going, but doing the wrong thing, you can be put to death by God. But there's grace given here because they did the wrong thing, but it was not really within their ability as human beings to do what was right at this point. To eat that with a, with a sense of celebration and joy, they were stuck in a hard place. They had to offer the sacrifice, but they couldn't do the second part, and so they decided to burn the whole lot. So we can see a very strict system and a strict system so much so that two people die but we can also see God being gracious and recognising the frailty of human beings and their inability to live out all these ordinances and commands. Leviticus is teaching us that. So let's jump to Hebrews and see what it's telling us in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8. We're going to see a whole new way of doing things in Jesus Christ. We see Jesus Christ, Hebrews chapter 8, and verse 1. We have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, who serves in a sanctuary, the true tabernacle, set up by God, not by man. Jesus is now our great high priest. And it's interesting. The high priest in Leviticus is doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this, doing this. Do people coming to him all the time? And but here it says, a high priest who sat down. He's sitting down. His work is done. It's finished. And where does he sit down? At the right hand of the throne of the Majesty on high. At the right hand of God. A place of honor. A place of power. There's no more sacrifices. The system is over. Jesus has offered the one perfect sacrifice once and for all for sins. He sacrificed himself, chapter 9, verse 6, for sin. And now in verse 6 it says, But the ministry of Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is the mediator, superior to the old one. 
and he's the founder of a better promise. So he's now passed over and, and has now given us a, uh, a ministry, a covenant that is superior to what we have in Leviticus in the Old Testament. Can I have the next slide? Thanks. Wow. We see the Old uh, Covenant and New Covenant there listed and we see the differences. Leviticus, priesthood, Jesus our high priest, order Melchizedek, um, that, don't worry about that. Uh, we see the Mosaic law and now law being a liberty of freedom we have in Christ um, and we go on to see the covenant, what it includes, the new covenant, the old covenant and anyway, just contrasting the old and new. Let's jump over. There's a lot we could talk about covenant, but we need to see there's a new covenant in place and it's got a new system for us and we benefit hugely from that. In fact, it's like a, it's like a game changer for mankind and our relationship with God. It changes everything. It impacts our whole relationship with God. And it's just so good for us because now uh, when, when with new covenant comes along, in verse 10 it says, This is the covenant I'll make with the house of Israel after that time declares the Lord. I'll put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I'll be their God, they'll be my people. God has put in our minds and written on our hearts by his Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit works in us so that we, the Holy Spirit reveals to us who Jesus is. Son of God, dying on the cross for us, the truth about Jesus' death for us, his resurrection, the fact of that. The Holy Spirit convicts us. We see that, that desperate need that we really want to be forgiven. And that all happens in our minds. And then it goes to our hearts that we really want to be forgiven and we're, we're calling out to Jesus and we want Jesus more than anything else and we just have a, a passion and a desire for Jesus that's going to push us forward in life as we follow him, as we obey him, as we treasure him above all things. No longer do we have a high priest saying, do this, do this, do this, you need to do this, otherwise this is going to happen. It's coming from within. It's a work of God within each and every one of us in this new covenant. Go to the next slide. So the, you've got this new covenant which has actually encompassed the whole of the Bible from the beginning to the end. It's always been God's plan and in the middle we had the old covenant come in with the laws and, and, and how to obey but in the end it's God's plan to write on our hearts in Jesus. And so that's been the big plan of God all along. Even though in Leviticus we have this other covenant and it just shows us how this other covenant is so much weaker and how much the new covenant is so better and good for us so it says in verse 11 no longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying know the lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest we'll all know the lord because the holy spirit's working us to reveal jesus christ to us we'll all have that personal knowledge of god so Hebrews is teaching the readers the high priest is Jesus and he's finished his work and there's no more sacrifices for sin. We were now forgiven in Jesus who mediates this new covenant and we all know the Lord personally in our minds and in our hearts. 
How do we approach God? You know, we say the Lord's Prayer, our Father. And uh, we need to be careful. You know, when we say the prayer, our Father, we just don't want to be so familiar with God. We say, oh, our Father, this, our Father. We need to recognize he is our Father. We recognize he made us, he saved us in Jesus. And we go to the other passage where it talks about God being daddy, like Abba Father, which is daddy. And that's a term of intimacy. But in saying that term of intimacy or in saying our father, we don't want to lose respect of who we or lose perspective of who we're talking to. We're talking to God. And the Bible just keeps teaching from beginning to end. We need to recognize God. We need to give him the bright place in our minds and our hearts, a place of honor, a place of respect, a place of awe, of wonder recognizing the magnitude of what he's done for us now in Jesus Christ, of the future he has for us. Let's not be whimsical with God. Let's not be too casual with him. You know, we just don't want to go and say, oh, hi, God, and go off. You know, we need to really be serious about him. That's what the Bible keeps teaching. And let's be people now, as people who are serious about God, recognising our relationship with him, recognising all that he's done for us in Jesus Christ, how important that is. Let's be people who offer ourselves continually, living our lives for Jesus, which is our motto. Living lives that are a sacrifice for God, denying ourselves and living focused on pleasing Jesus, on honouring him. And that's what God wants from all of us. Isn't it so good that we're not in Leviticus? I could have been zapped. I wouldn't have been here by now. I'm the, I'm the priest. Fire! You would, you'd all want to sort of stand back with a fire extinguisher around me. I think it'd be horrible. And God could do that, and He did those sort of things. And He's a God that we don't want to trivialize and sort of say, "No, He doesn't do that." And we don't want to be a God that we're scared from and paranoid about. Oh, he's going to get us. He's going to do this. No, God loves us. God cares about where What it's saying is we're so important to God. Let's let him be important to each and every one of us in the way we think about him, speak about him, and behave towards him.